Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today is episode 96. So I just had to check the list behind me. So today is episode 96, and this is going to be a solo episode. The reason for the solo episode is I haven't done one in quite a while. I've been so, so lucky and so, so humbled to have the guests on over lockdown because a little bit more people were available i'm also very lucky to have some clients on to tell their amazing stories with bev and kate telling their stories and how they've gone through losing weight to feeling more confident themselves their battle mental health and kind of moving away from that side of things so it's been really really important for me to be able to put out a lot more content for you guys to kind of hopefully if you've learned one thing from any of the podcasts that have been put out in nearly the 100 episodes that have been put out they were worthwhile recording but particularly over lockdown i could definitely see a massive massive spike with a lot more ears attached to the podcast and i cannot thank you enough for all of the messages and all of the the comments and stuff like that um from from everyone that was kind of coming through this episode is going to be on books and this episode is quite an important one for me books have like books for me have i when i was younger and stuff like that i never really i re- read when i was like a kid and i always like roll dal bfg and the twits kind of stick out secret seven all that kind of stuff um and the the goosebumps series and stuff like that it was that kind of kind of kind of style for myself and then kind of when i went into my teens and stuff i kind of fell out of love with reading and didn't see it as so-called cool inverted commas and I just fell out of love with it, didn't really prioritise it, which I know now, which is what the thing is, I didn't really prioritise it, so I didn't do it. And that's, I think, something that I've definitely learned and definitely applied to a lot of the people I work with is if you're not doing something, you don't really prioritise it. Like we're never not doing nothing. We're always doing something, whether it be kind of chilling out, that means you're chilling, that means you're doing something. Or you're watching Netflix, means you're still doing something. But I think what's helped me big time Uh, since I started doing this was kind of reading and getting different viewpoints from a load of different people and try and even if I get one nugget of or one sentence that resonates with me in a book it's definitely worthwhile so for myself this episode is kind of going to go through a few books from kind of fitnessy ones business ones mindset ones that have kind of helped me over the last few years and have definitely resonated with me and hopefully these don't uh sway you too much because i think a book has a different impact on different people a sentence in a book can have a different meaning to someone depending on where they're on their lives so whatever books i have said is these are my personal viewpoints and some of them you may have read and may not have had the same impact on yourself so it's really really important that i know those books that i have I'm, I'm over my head right now and they have impacted on me and some haven't impacted on me but i know for other people that it was it came at their right point in their lives and that's really really important so the first book that i am kind of gonna talk about is a book called a man's search for meaning by victor frankel i started reading this at the beginning of lockdown and it's a, an amazing book it's a bestseller and it has to be on your list it's really short it's only 150 pages and it falls under the category of books that can permanently change the way you see the world your life and your state of mind so to give you kind of a brief synopsis of it the author was an occupant of four different concentration camps uh, throughout world war ii including the main one which was Auschwitz, and endured some of the most horrific experiences struggling to survive he kind of recorded some empowering philosophies which were later compiled into this book man search for meaning and part one covers his observations uh, through the nazi concentration camps and when he tried to observe and understand the potential of human beings ability to survive 
highlighting how people would keep alive and are kept alive and a lack of kind of hope and kind of the, the reason why to survive kind of resulted in a lot of death for a lot of people the second part of the book explains his own theory of psychology uh, which he kind of taglines as logotherapy um, so the, the, there's kind of a few points that I have in this book that had a major major impact on me one of the quotes that kind of sticks out to me was he who has a way to live for can bear almost anyhow these were actually quotes from a German philosopher called uh, Nietzsche uh, probably most of you have already heard read tons of articles saying the power of purpose even the main book would be kind of start with the reason why or start with why by Simon Sinek draws from Frankel or Nietzsche yes a lot of people forget that we all will face hard times exactly like lockdown and it's much easier if you manage to find something some fine meaning to your life some attachment having a reason why imagining if you didn't do whatever you're trying to do who would it impact on would it impact on you would it impact on your kids impact on your life and that has definitely definitely helped me because i know back in december and i said this on a podcast with i was on the brian king podcast on the brian king business podcast should i say yesterday at the time of recording this and I, it was the first time I said it to anyone was I wanted to, I was going to quit the podcast I was going to stop the podcast back in December last year I was just so tired from trying to do everything trying to get ready for online trying to leave face to face running around like a headless chicken training was low energy was low studying MNU and my body was going into shutdown but I knew that if I, if I wanted to kind of get out of face to face which I absolutely loved but I needed it for my own body and I need it for my own mind that I had to do make sure that this podcast kept going because I know this is my way of reaching people targeting people that potentially are scrolling aimlessly and they come across it and if one person gets even one sentence or one word that I've said and that helps them that's why I want to do it so it was so important for me to kind of make sure that I didn't just give up and I imply that to everyone who's trying to do a weight loss journey as well that things are going to get tough and like they shouldn't be stupidly low calorie diets that's not what I'm saying is there are days that you don't want to go for the walk but I guarantee you will feel better after going for the walk but you'll also it's not what you are doing the the minority of the time it's what you're doing the majority of the time that will get you to what you were doing if you are kind of winning 70-80% of the time you are way ahead of most people and that's what makes people stand out there don't get me wrong it could be raining but it's so so important for you just to kind of put one foot in front of the other and just show up there, like if you think about it when you're training there was days that you don't want to train don't get me wrong my training hasn't been great during lockdown I actually have hired a coach and I would encourage people to do that that's holding me accountable they're not looking after my nutrition they just gave me a home program because I can't go back into the gym because I, I'm one of those high risk so I can't do that but I think if you I know that I, I feel better when I've trained and I think a lot of people do I think the second point that I kind of learned from Man's Search for Meaning was you can adapt and get used to literally any condition. And I think that's very, very poignant given what's going on. It is what Charles Darwin said. It is not the strongest species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the ones most responsive to change. I think we've all had to adapt. And a lot of people have had to change their businesses. A lot of people have gone from face-to-face PT to running boot camps to online coaching or whatever it may be. Stepping out of your comfort zone will make, make you understand how further you can actually push your limits and it's so so important that we do try to do that it's also important the next lesson was to have courage to accept the things that you can't control like we can't control everything but we can control the controllables you would have probably heard me say that quite a lot while being high in self-control is important in achieving our goals we can't really waste our time with things we can't control 
it's what matters is how we react to situations that are beyond our control. If someone says something to you, like for instance, I got a comment on one of my posts on my transformations yesterday and just said, like, he just got a haircut. And I was like, mm, okay. So I just went back with a kill them, kill them with kindness comment and nothing was said afterwards. I could have easily just reacted and said, and fired back and said, what are you talking about, mate? But I didn't want to do that because that person potentially is feeling a little bit low about themselves. And I felt sorry for the person. I was like, well, you're potentially feeling a little bit low. So why you're just taking it out of me, whatever, whatever he wants. And my client who the transformation was with messed me afterwards and saying, man, ignore that, delighted for you. And thank you for so much for doing that. The way to achieve success is to avoid thinking about it and surrender to a vision. If you focus on making success your target, you are more likely to miss it. And I've definitely fallen into that during lockdown in the fact that it was all go, 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 go is being a busy fool. Dedicate your time and effort to a vision that is more significant than yourself and let success become a byproduct of dedication. So rather than kind of letting a something take over your life, let it kind of slowly could become part of a kind of a daily routine, have a target slowly, slowly have a small step. And that, that definitely applies for weight loss as well. I think it's really, really important. I think the, one of the, the, the most, there's two other comments or two other lessons that I kind of learned was there is meaning in suffering. Kind of what Victor or Frankel explains clearly that if pain and suffering is avoidable, then why would she, why should we avoid it? As there is no need to make ourselves suffer unnecessarily. However, some suffering is unavoidable and no matter kind of how crazy this would sound, experiencing pain is not necessarily bad. We all have shit to go through. We often come out the other end softer, more thoughtful, more compassionate, more spiritual people than when we would have been if we'd never experienced the painful side of life. It's a kind of also the moment we make suffering meaningful and we implicitly bear, make it bearable too. For instance, when I got sick, I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't got sick. I'd still be in that nine to five job. There's absolutely nothing with nine to five jobs. But if I hadn't got sick in 2017, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be recording the podcast. I wouldn't be helping hundreds and hundreds of women and men trying to feel better with themselves, challenging their mindset, challenging themselves, pushing them beyond their their mental limits. I'm not one of these Billy Bootcamp coaches that kind of screams at people. That's not my style at all. If I'm teaching a class, I will, I will, I will make noise. But if I'm trying to coach with someone, it's understanding where their headspace is at and being able to challenge them on their thoughts. That is it a fact or is it an opinion? Is it a fact that that person can't take photos? No, it's an opinion that they have created that's saying that they don't want to be in the photo because of X, Y, and Z. It's not, it's letting the pain, it's not letting the pain kind of freeze you or not doing the things that you want to do, whether it be public speaking, it's taking photos, taking progress photos, like almost a paralysis by analysis. And that's so, it happens so often for a lot of people. I think one of the things that I've noticed in the last little while from the, definitely, this is so, so important from this book. And I think it's one of the main things like choose your suffering is the kind of the main message from that book. But it's so, so important that like, human kindness can be found in the most surprising places the world can be a tough place and people can really be mean but don't judge a person only by a situation each of us have a positive side as well people can get low people can have massive highs but human kindness has been shown that the amazing work the the, the nurses the doctors have kind of done for us the amazing work that dr tony holohan has done as well to get this country through and then you've, you've realized recently that his wife is very very ill that person has put the nation ahead of his family. That human kindness can, you can find in the most prominent places, you can find in little places. Like 
neighbors would have struggled there would have been older people who have potentially didn't really talk to anyone but people were going to do, doing their shopping for them during this and it's so so important to realize that not all people are assholes and it actually takes more effort to be an asshole than to be nicer to someone but it also takes more it's, it's also easier to be an asshole to yourself it's so easy to fall into that negative headspace talk to yourself in a negative way than actually have a positive affirmation and that's why to, and that's why i try to talk to my clients about it. it's not all about kind of calories and training all that kind of stuff it's so important that your mindset you change as a person so that you don't fall back into that whole routine of kind of victim mentality because i've been there we, like a lot of people fall into the victim mentality that they've potentially had a relationship breakup or something's happened or but you can't control that what you can control is how you react to that situation you can't freeze life will go on but what you can control is how you are going to surround yourself with the people you want. Are you going to be there for the people? Are you going to build a, a kind of community and, and, and build it that way? Like, Man's Search for Meaning ends with an interaction between a student and Frankel. The student concluded that the meaning of your life is to help others find the meaning of theirs. And I'm, I, when I read that, I was like, fuck, that is, that is poignant. And yes, we can agree with this. And it's so, so important that it is so important to have a meaning. I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I'm not trying to brainwash you with all this kind of stuff. But this was one of those books that I read at the beginning of lockdown. And it was one of those books that definitely, definitely changed the way I want. That I was kind of like, this is this has hit me at the right, right time. And it's only 150 pages. Man's Search for Meaning for Victor Frankel is definitely one of the, the, my go-tos. So the next book that I think I've spoken about in previous episodes is a book called uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And it's by an author by called Robin Sharma. So I'd highly recommend listening to his stuff and following him on Instagram. And it's it's a fictional um book, but it brings incredible, credible wisdom and it's it's so so important. There were so many different lessons in it. it. Like the book is it's a set of success from beginning to end. The story opens with the success of a lawyer and ends with the growth and prosperity of a man. And this may be a little bit too philosophical for you. So if you don't want like these kind of books and all that kind of stuff, that's no problem. Hopefully the other books that I talk about will, will help. The The whole book is about the personality development and of the journey of both characters from the book. Julian Mantle and his best friend John, who is the one that Robin Sharma kind of writes about in, in a kind of guidebook to life. Um, Julian Mantle was a kind of a seven-figure lawyer, making lawyer, big corporate thought that success having a Ferrari loads of money had everything and that's a lot of what a lot of people attain to be that that if they have this life that they'll be happy but it didn't make him happy so in search for wisdom and happiness he sold his mansion his expensive Ferrari and headed to the Himalayan mountains where he stood the studied the wisdom of kind of like the ages and the life of other people so kind of the main lessons the kind of the main lessons that we can kind of take from the book is kind of Number one is kind of cultivate your mind. And the secret of happiness is simple. Find out what you truly love to do and then direct all of your energy towards doing it. Once you do this, abundance flows in your life and all your desires are filled with ease and grace. This this blew my mind when I kind of read that sentence. I was like, never had I before started going into what I do now had I had a meaning, had I had a link into what I wanted to do, which was trying to help people. I always wanted to help people. And I was, and when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I was kind of like more. I was an awkward teenager, didn't really fit into most uh, kind of situations, and then 
when I fell into kind of like recruitment and kind of being the sales liaison manager and stuff like that, it was kind of helping clients get to what they want and trying to work around how to get that. I knew I wanted to help people. I just never thought that this would be the one for the avenue for me. But that leads it back into 2017 when I got sick. I wouldn't have been where I am now if I hadn't got sick. Some people kind of believe that making mistakes is like making irreparable dents. It's hard to let go of negative thoughts, especially criticism. Kind of ironically under the grand laws of kind of nature, our mind can hold only one thought at a time. By making negative thoughts or focus, you'll embody it, you'll, you'll, or worse, you'll manifest it, and it will grow. This mentality will only hinder your personal growth. The biggest lesson from the book is how the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. So a lot of people think the quality of life is money, house, all that kind of stuff. When in fact, in my head, and for a lot of people, is it's your own mental health. If you haven't got your mental health, you've got nothing. Kind of Julian Mantle, the lawyer, transformed himself from a depressed, obese lawyer into a youthful, optimistic man, all by conquering his mind. Mastering your mind means seeing setbacks as opportunities, which a lot of people have had setbacks, unfortunately, during COVID. But a lot of people have also seen opportunity. By envisioning your dreams, you give the power, your, your mind the power to cultivate it and make it a reality. So you need to occupy your mind with kind of uplifting thoughts. You need, you'll come to realize the power of cultivating a rich mentality will help you manifest the energy you'll need to attain to success you desire. I think the second lesson that I kind of took from it was the power of self-examination. Never forget the importance of living with unbridled exhilaration. Never neglect to see the exquisite beauty in all living things. Today and this kind of very moment is a gift. Stay focused on your purpose. The universe will take care of everything else. And that's a quote from the book. So they kind of look at it as, and they kind of give the analogy of, imagine discovering a map that leads you directly to a treasure chest. That's how exciting it would be when you discover your life's purpose. But this idea appears as elusive as the leprechaun at the end of the rainbow. So here are the kind of the action steps that from the sages of Savannah to ensure your goal is as attainable as you believe it to be. One is create a, ment- a clear mental picture of what you want to do or your treasure trove, your end goal, whether it's to be fit into a dress, whether it's to be more confident, whether it's to find a partner, whether it's to get a promotion. Number two, give yourself some positive pressure so you don't slip back into old habits and self-dates. Number three, write a goal contract with yourself and include a timeline. And that's why I work with my clients is I have a reflection diary. So they, if they want to use it, it's kind of breaks their goals into little daily steps. Kind of winning each day will set them up in the long term. It's important to build your habit by taking a brave step every day towards achieving it. Baby steps are still steps. One foot in front of the other is be- better than two steps back. It's also important to have fun and laugh along the way because a day without laughter or a day without love is a day without life. And I was like, fuck, these steps might seem simple and obvious, but a lot of people forget the basics. But what makes goal, success and destiny appear so elusive is because the pursuer has yet to arrive to self-knowledge. Self-knowledge is the DNA of self-enlightenment, which is a massive, massive thing in kind of like the Buddha's teachings and stuff like that. And I think it's the last kind of point that I kind of took from Robin Sharma here was the importance of kind of do things that you fear the most. So one of the quotes is, the universe favors the brave. When you resolve to lift your life to its highest level, the strength of your soul will guide you to a magical place with magnificent treasures. So here's a question that kind of comes from the book. Why should you build a strong character, be disciplined and optimistic? Answer, when you take the time to build your character and fill it with power and energy, you can have anything and do anything you want. 
because it's impossible to do good when you don't feel good. If you're not sleeping, if you're not eating well for the majority of the time, if you're not getting walks in and clearing your head or mental health, you feel you feel pretty shit. You feel sorry for yourself and you don't want to do that. Kind of the lesson from the monk is that success on the outside begins within. You have to have interior goals as long as exterior with exterior goals as well. When you identify the things that are holding you back, you should face them head on. Do the things you fear because you're building the foundation of success and leadership within yourself. Leading yourself first gives other the vote of confidence that you're capable of leading them, leading them to. So one of the things that kind of comes up a lot is the fear of public speaking. I shit in my brick during college doing those presentations. You ask anyone that I went to college with. I was a mumbling fool. If you listen to my first episode, I was a mumbling fool. Could have made a drinking game the amount of times I said eh during it. And that's not, hopefully it's a little bit more polished now. I bloody hope so after nearly doing 100 episodes. So we need to not let fear guide us. We need to let fear fuel us. We need to let that fear guide us in a way that is conducive to what we want to do. I think what a lot of people fear is the fear of failure, fear of looking bad to others. People are going to judge them. Who gives a fuck what everyone else thinks? You only have one life. If you're looking at your deathbed at 90 odd years of age, hopefully you get to 90. Do you want to be recognized? Do you want to be remembered for the person that was a quivering fool up at the top? Or do you want to be recognized for one of those persons that was out with a go-to attitude, one of those people that was a doer, a trier? And even if you failed, which sometimes you will fail, it's really, really important that you question, is this a fact or is this an opinion? And it comes back to that all the time. And it's so, so important. Like some of the other lessons that kind of came through the book was daily acts of kindness, um, never sacrifice happiness for achievement, which was a big thing that I needed to realize when at the beginning of, of lockdown. We're here, we all here for some special reason. Stop being a prisoner of your past become the architect of your future i remember I, when i when i got sick i'm sorry to keep bringing this up but this that was a huge mindset shift in my life i could i fell into a victim mentality and i've talked about it before and at the end of the day your happiness is a choice you have to make what you want and it has to be a journey that you want to take and you have and if you want to do it you will do it but you have to have enough leverage behind it you have to have a why you need to understand that it's so, so important for you to try to push on, try to go in the right direction. Like there will be days that you don't want to do things. There will be days that you fail, but it's the majority of the time that that will lead you in good stead. I think it's so, so important. So I'd highly recommend The Monkey Solders, Solders, for, Solders Ferrari by uh, Robin Sharma. It was de- It's a definitely incredible book. There are other lessons and stuff, but they're the main ones that I took out of it. So the next book would be Atomic Habits by James Clear and this is one of those that people rave about and I've heard other people mention on podcasts I've been guests on I've been a guest on podcasts where they've mentioned it as well and it's really really it's a step-by-step system for creating good habits and breaking bad habits and habits are one of those things that we put up on pedestals as as a as a race and the kind of the purpose is to help you achieve remarkable results and drive you forward it's, there's an awful lot of information in the book like it's an incredible book and it's really good if you're not a a reader you can definitely get it on audible as well so kind of lesson one is get one percent better every day like that was that, that really struck a chord with me most people believe that you must swing for the fences or kind of go all or nothing and but it's james says the pr- precise opposite is actually true 
Improving just 1% every day leads to dramatic results. In fact, he uses mathematics to prove his point. Team Sky were the prime example in this book as well, that David Brailsford, I think that's his name, that's how he revolutionized British cycling. Just a 1% increase every day yields a 37 times improvement by the end of the year. He writes, habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. So compound interest is you apply it to your money and then it builds over time, builds over time. Habits are the exact same. You don't have to be perfect every day. Perfect perfection doesn't exist. And kind of the author kind of even thinks big goals can be even counterproductive. Break down the goals. The focus should be on the process, not the goals. It should be how you're going to get to those goals. So if you have a goal that you kind of like want to lose three stone, bring it back and say, how am I going to break it down? Am I going to train three times a week? Am I going to make sure protein every meal? Am I going to get adequate sleep most of the time? And kind of one thing that the author says is, at one point, he kind of goes, forget about goals, focus on systems instead. Like, I don't want to take the line out of context, but from my perspective, how important having the right goals or a vision is your results is ambiguous, as laid out in the book. James kind of uses the word vision on a few pages to mean that you should, you should what you see, not foresight. Either way, the entire concept of getting 1% daily or hitting singles and doubles consistently versus grand slams occasionally is so, so profound. 1% better is better than zero. Number two, change your identity to change your habits. I chose this lesson because it, it's massively fundamental, but it kind of directly relates to the company that I've I've built as well. Like a lot of overweight people kind of say that I want to be X, Y, and Z weight. I want to look like this. And that and that is, and that's a massive, massive thing. In other words, a kind of a, a simple identity shift from I want to, to I am makes all the difference in the world like rather than saying i want to lose weight it said i am enough can make a massive mass profound shift in your in your mindset if you already have the potential built within you and you believe that you're going to get there building those habits will become a hell of a lot easier and he builds these kind of behavior changes into three layers one is outcomes two is process and three is identity in order to kind of feel comfortable in your own skin and feel better in yourself it's eating well it's eating well sleeping well training whether it be running whatever walking gym whatever it may be you need to first establish the identity of your goal and then the process and then the outcomes and i think that's really really important kind of the lesson number three that kind of comes out of is the four laws of behavior change and the four steps he kind of talks about a cue craving response reward reward it's like a perfect example of this would be that if you're looking for a drinking a coffee, right? So number one is cue. So you wake up. Number two, you have a craving. You want to, you want a coffee to feel alert, and you want to kind of shock the system and get yourself rearing gear. Number three, response. You drink a cup. You drink the cup of coffee. Number four, reward. You satisfy your craving to feel alert. Drinking coffee becomes associated with you waking up. So that's that's the system. This completes kind of like the habit loop that he talks about. There are so many different possible cues, cravings, and could be linked to kind of training and feeling better as well. Maybe the cue is seeing your coffee machine or passing a coffee shop on your way to work, and that kind of gets the craving going, gets the smell going, gets the the, the, the taste of coffee in your mouth, and that's when you want to do it. But number lesson four is how to work out consistently. So we've seen the model in action describe a coffee drinking habit, but how do you use the model to create a good habit? How to create good habits? Cue, craving, response, reward. Number one, make it obvious. Two, make it attractive. Three, make it easy. Four, make it satisfying. Make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. 
So that's how this, how let's apply this to kind of a workout routine. So number one is make it obvious, put your gym clothes on and more than likely, and you will probably want to go for a walk or run or to the gym. Number two, craving, make it attractive. Follow a simple workout routine. Doesn't need to be fancy. Three days a week is more than most, more than enough for most people. Make it fit into your schedule, plan it into your day, and that is your craving. Follow a simple, simple, simple. Don't overcomplicate something. Response, make it easy. Train at home or choose a gym that's nearby. Work with a coach that works for you. Make it work with a coach that kind of builds into your ideology. Number four, make it satisfying. Log the workout in your journal. You'll see progress. Once you start and see progress in your lifts and you're like, shit, I'm actually getting strong. Or you can see a difference in your clothes and difference how you feel about yourself. You'll start to feel good. It's a reward. There are so many different more strategies that he's kind of put into this. Um, and one of the other things he talks about is how to avoid snacking. So this is definitely applicable. So it's the same thing. Make it invisible. Make it unattractive. Make it difficult. Make it uns- unsatisfying. Q, make it in- invisible. Get rid of all your snacks in your house or apartment. Get out of sight of mind. This may not be possible. It's the idea. I fully don't agree with that kind of side of things because I want to have an inclusive diet for my clients rather than a restrictive diet. Craving, make it unattractive. Kind of 99% of these snacks have little nutritional value and are made up by food scientists and labs and all this kind of stuff. So in my, in a majority or a minority, minority can't even speak, uh, it's so, so important that you have them in a minority rather than kind of an all or nothing approach. Make it difficult to get them. On your way to work, take a different route so you don't pass that kind of like the shop or anything like that on the way to work. Make the reward unsatisfying. Every time you eat an unhealthy snack, supposedly, there's no food, there's no such thing as good or bad foods, but log in your journal. Make an almost a positive come out of a negative in that every time you potentially write in how you feel before and after it and challenge those beliefs around food. And that's my little twist on it. That's not what I've learned from that. It's so, so important. But I think that the workout one is definitely, definitely important. So those kind of lessons where how to avoid snacking, how to work out consistently were really, really important. The four laws of behavior change are really, really important. Change your identity, change your habits and get 1% better every day. And that is the book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. So highly recommend it. Some of it needs to be kind of worked around and worked to you. And it's important that kind of your own routine, your own habits and stuff like that are tailored to you. So listen back around the kind of the coffee and the training kind of side of things. Um, there's a little bit of a tweak that is needed, I'd say, with the language that's around kind of the, the food because it's still bringing in the good and bad food ideology, which I don't like doing as a coach, if that makes any sense. So the next book is kind of more on kind of the business and a little bit of mindset stuff as well. And it's a book called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. So Shoe Dog is the kind of the memoir of the creator of Nike, uh, Phil Knight. So Nike is kind of one of those most recognizable, that swoosh, that brand. And it talks about kind of the innovations behind the shoe, talks about kind of the, the company's origins. Um, and it's from the owner's own perspective. It kind of starts in the 1960s when Nike decides to travel to the world at kind of age 24. So he's quite young. He has what calls a crazy idea, and his crazy idea is to import Japanese running shoes into the US. Um, not only not only is Knight a running enthusiast himself, he did develop this idea as part of his MBA program in kind of Stanford. Um, as a successful part of business relations with the supplier, uh, which is now kind of part of ASICS, that whole supplier, uh, Knight begins to sell designs by his own company. This kind of puts a little bit of tension in kind of the relationship. 
and that kind of leads to a relationship separation um and it kind of goes into an awful lot of a lot of lessons um and it's really really important to kind of if it can definitely be applied to business so if you're listening to this with your own business or you are in sales or anything like that or starting out your own fitness journey or you are trying to build a company from the ground during covid this can definitely definitely help so lesson one that i took from it was it takes time to build kind of the book starts in 1962 when he went over to japan he tries to pedal the kind of the shoes to sports stores but they already have enough on their shelves he kind of then starts to go going to local track meetings and but it takes it takes all all his time two years after his trip he formally sets the company up together with his his old coach um another three years later the company needs to rent an office for the first time and then they only get a small room next to a bar they kind of consistently grow consistently grow but they're still a small company a handful of people scattered all over the u.s with kind of different reps and stuff and then in 1972 the brand gets more widespread recognition and that's 10 years after phil knight started it like the 1960s didn't have like the likes of social media so he didn't have that whole side of things no internet no globalization and kind of china had only started to grow um from by sitting behind walls and iron curtain and kind of which there was a massive divide in the world as well so for him to kind of go over to asia and have that meeting and stuff like that is massive like there was no need for a quick win the company not a not a way to kind of get rich and retire early which a lot of people fall into when they kind of set up companies he kind of pushes growth and does to, ma- to take massive massive risks uh, in order to happen but it's a massive massive thing about that but it shows you that it took time building it's like that one percent that um james clear talks about it builds over time builds over time to what it is today it's really important that the lesson two is be enthusiastic and talk to the, to the enthusiasts he had been a runner uh, for a lot of his life he was part of the scene and knew coaches knew what people liked um but he spoke to a lot of people he spoke to coaches and he got one of his coaches, um, Barrowman, involved. And he drove around to competitions and track meetings and got talking to people and listened to them what they wanted out of a shoe and learned what that's what the market wanted. And I think a lot of people forget that that if you don't talk to the people that you're trying to potentially sell to, you're never really going to learn. You're never really going to get any content if you're trying to create content. You must speak to the people that you're looking for, their little pain points. And that's really, really important. That's why I love doing the Q&As. That's why I love getting the feedback and getting dms in and texts from clients it's like right this could be a potential content and that's the way i think like i'm literally just back from a walk and i literally had about four or five ideas from listening to a couple of podcasts and that was really really important it's so so important that you do listen and learn from those who are in the know don't try potentially don't try to go into something that's completely left field like if i started going into jam making i wouldn't have a notion what i'm doing but it's so, so important like lesson, th- lesson three is being a manager versus being a leader like a large proportion of Nike's core team, core team was the opposite of sporty. They were kind of like one of the, I think one of the employees was wheelchair bound after an accident. Two were severely overweight. Some of them kind of even smoked two packets a day. But he he rarely responds to questions, letters, or other correspondence. He doesn't seem to be a manager, but more of a leader. A lot of the a lot of the work they do is full of purpose. Sometimes driven by spite and old grudges, which Michael Jordan talks about an awful lot in his, and that's an incredible book as well. But the first full ha- first handful of people who are looking for something outside of nine to five work days are kind of like in law firms and accountancy. So 
one of the quotes that he kind of talks about is don't tell people how to do things tell them what to do and let them surprise you with the results kind of also comes back into um i think it's steve jobs um or bill gates that kind of says that he hires people more intelligent than him because they're always going to come back come back with better ideas a lot of people are afraid to be inferior when they have someone working for them a lot of people are afraid to 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 delegate and not have things done for them but it's also important to actually trust what's going on around you one of the other things that they they didn't really lesson four was kind of they didn't really know where they were going which kind of goes against some of the other statements that i've made in the book as well it's always kind of very easy to tell the story after like it, it's our great fallacy our minds because we know it happened it was the only way it could have happened nike or knight doesn't even set out to build a massive empire nor does he kind of like overturn or overrun the shoe market he wants to make a better shoe and he started with the basics and that was his basic principle and premise he struggled he fought and in the end he he was kind of like let's keep let's keep going let's grow we know we have our why which was the shoe and how it's going to impact and if it impacts one person that's what his kind of continuous growth that if word gets out that's impacted on one runner like running running thing a running community is a is a quite a it's a large community but they're quite tight knit like there's running clubs and all that kind of stuff so if one person is kind of saying where did you get that runner word would spread and it's so so important to kind of realize that it's a remarkable book it kind of tells the story of the company and it kind of never assumes the authority of this is how you must do it it kind of shows that he was human showed that there will be mistakes along the way relationships were were, were kind of irked along the way and it also shows the individual individuality of a company that it's not all streamlined it's not all smooth there will be errors made along the way there was a little bit of luck to it there definitely is a little bit of luck to kind of having a business but it's also having the right people and also having the right dedicated people and i think it's really really important to realize that if you are trying to grow i haven't gone to the stage yet i've got kind of like people who i kind of contract stuff out to but haven't necessarily got employees so i think from that side of things and from talking to i recommended this book to one of my uh cousin's husbands who is has a massive massive business and he read it he was like 100 percent that is literally it outsource or get other people who are more upskilled in that it may cost a little bit more money but it will also save you time and energy and what you are trying to do so shoe dog by phil knight is an awesome awesome book so the the next book um is a you would have heard me talk about this before with jane o'toole i kind of went a little bit over the top with that review is a book called the art of asking by amanda palmer and there's a lot of lessons i took from this um the main one is it's not easy to ask and asking makes you vulnerable asking opens you up to rejection or ridicule the possibility of favor failure of being a kind of a burden and kind of sometimes asking kind of questions and asking invites can put us to shame we build stuff up in our heads but also kind of you have to kind of look at the positive side of things and it kind of builds connections asking is honest authentic and acts in true collaboration uh, collaboration so one of the things kind of like about amanda amanda is quite a quirky person uh, i would love to have her on the podcast absolutely love her because she's so individual and um, so she started as a performance artist in the streets and dressed up as a bride and she used to give a rose if someone put money in and then she went on to become the lead singer of a band called the dresden dolls and she had her own issues with kind of like the corporate side of things and didn't want to go mainstream all that kind of stuff 
but then she started doing TED talks and like I've I've skipped a few lessons there by the way but that's that's it in kind of a rough nutshell and talks about how she has her own insecurities had how she wants to do it and how her relationship with her husband how other relationships failed and all that kind of stuff and I think the most important thing is like it is the art of asking and a, a burden shared is a burden halved and I think we all are all a little bit terrible at kind of asking questions uh, more than one occasion in the past when I've needed help I've kind of I know when I was at my lowest point I didn't really want to ask for help because I felt I was going to be a burden and I think I don't think I'm the only one on that kind of side of things but kind of the, the, the few lessons that I kind of I definitely learned a lot of lessons from this that our relationship or everything is the main one kind of Amanda Palmer treats her friends like her fans like friends her, fa- her fans are her friends even if she hasn't met them yet like in an age of social digitalism and all that kind of stuff it's very very easy to kind of get lost in that kind of translation and with DMs and strangers kind of messaging you and stuff like that I can only imagine what it's like for her because there was she had a massive massive she had a massive following but she made every replied to every single email and that was her main thing it's very very hard to achieve greatness on your own we are who we are among other people relationships connections with others and kind of are what turns people into existing into live into li- into living uh people are precious we have to and relationships need to co- be cultivated and we don't need to spurn them when you need them they will be there and i think a lot i think that's what potentially lockdown has taught a lot of us and when people need you they will also be there how like you when people are low people the people you surround yourself with will always be there for you and i can know more often than not than when stuff's going on with people in their families and stuff like that the families will always go around you if that makes any sense the then kind of one of the other lessons that i learned was the fraud police visit everybody and i was like wow that is insane the fraud police represent imposter syndrome some people believe imposter syndrome is a thing some people don't but that anxiety inducing at times inescapable feeling that you don't deserve your successes you don't belong where you are you shouldn't be trusted with this responsibility kind of one of the things that kind of amanda talks about is and she, this is a quote from her is we've been watching you and we have evidence that you have no idea what you're doing you stand accused of the crime by completely winging it you are guilty of making shit up as you go along you do not actually deserve your job we're taking everything away and we are telling everybody sometimes i struggle with these feelings i remember i was over at my graduation i was not in a great mental headspace i, had, I was so lacking asleep because i was so drained from the exam my body just went into shutdown wasn't sleeping properly because of smoking mental errors and i was struggling with these feelings and it's very easy to let them overcome you until you can't think until you kind of can't think straight about anything but i think everybody is kind of winging it at some at some extent nobody has all the answers and everybody anyone that says they have all the answers they're lying and we have to figure it out as we go along. Nobody, when it's to say if it's a parent, nobody knows how to parent from the off. They can get guidance from grandparents and parents, but they're not gonna be there all the time. As Amanda Palmer writes, the professionals know when they're winging it, the amateurs pretend they're not. And it's so, so important to take ownership of sometimes you don't know what you're doing, but how are you gonna get around that? And it's the art of asking or trying to figure it out yourself, but you're still asking Google externalizing these kind of imposter feelings helps me kind of keep them at bay as well and it's you kind of i treat them like kind of an old adversary doing the rounds sit to them sit with them 
and then keep going on and keep doing them and keep challenging them and i think kind of the one main and one of the other things that kind of came through it was finding a mentor for amanda her mentor was a guy called anthony and he was a mentor since her childhood and but he was also a psychotherapist and an author um she kind of talks about the wisdom he kind of permeates and his wisdom permeates throughout the book which is incredible the the advice that she goes to him for is incredible relationship everything and very few people make it through a life alone mentors can be a parent mentors can be a coach mentors can be a business coach mentors can provide wisdom insight experience advice in many areas of life they don't have to be the most successful people in the fields sometimes those only a step or two ahead of you can provide the best guidance right now they don't even have to be people but they can also be books and books are some of the best mentors out there but it's just important to put those plans or actions into place there's no point in kind of going out and i see this in the fitness industry an awful lot is people go out and get mentors go read everything and never put anything into play into play they're always over like they go and paralysis by analysis they don't actually go out and do anything with the information they have you can be the smartest person in the world coming to the fitness and nutrition stuff but if you can't market yourself you're not gonna make any money and that's really 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 important there's another one the last one on this kind of that kind of really kind of hit me i was thinking about it yesterday when kind of the, the the message came in from your man with the negative comment was how to respond to trolls and kind of bullies that are out there like i'm not saying i'm a public figure that's definitely not what i'm saying but some people do get criticism and she got her fair share of it it's sometimes for me i use it as a fuel so that people can kind of fall into a victim mentality from it but what she kind of notes on kind of one approach that works for her is take the scathing article hurtful office gossip or nasty online comment hold in your mind now imagine the scathing article hurtful gossip or nasty online comment being aimed at the dalai lama now imagine the dalai lama is reading or hearing the scathing article hurtful office gossip office gossip or nasty online comment now imagine the dalai lama's reaction he may smile frown or laugh but he will undoubtedly feel compassion for the author it may work to use jesus yoda or kind-eyed but as strong as ox great aunt maggie rinse and repeat as needed think about how that person this is me now so there she's saying go to think of you're the dalai lama how would he react it's also important that you don't kind of fall into this and reaction state and kind of think to yourself why is this impacting me why is this having a negative impact on me how would he react how would i like to be seen how would i like my kids to react i think that's really really important to yourself as well and i think one of the th- one of the other lines that sticks with me is we're all great at giving advice to other people but we don't necessarily take the advice ourselves so for instance if you're going for a job we're all scared of asking for a raise or asking for what money we think we're worth but we're great at giving the advice to other people around us so say if your friend's going interview you'll be happy say you ask for an extra 10 grand but when it comes to us not that money makes us happy but we're afraid to say it i think that's really really important to to kind of to kind of say to yourself so it is really really important that asking questions about yourselves asking questions to other people and making sure that you kind of find a mentor also kind of everyone does struggle with imposter syndrome and 
communicating relationships are so so important especially with what's going on at the minute so that's the art of asking and it's it's an awesome book and i it's the, the her narrative her the way she tells her story is, is incredible i think the the last book that i'll kind of go through um i know we're already at like 47 and a half minutes so I do apologize uh for this but it's it's a book called essentialism by greg mccown kind of so the main quote that I kind of took from it was remember that if you don't prioritize your life someone else will so a lot of people kind of come to me and say I haven't got time and then I ask them what's in their calendar and they don't know so how can you have time if you don't know what's in your calendar so in kind of short summary of the book is essentialism shows a new way of thinking about productivity in life it's a disciplined systematic approach for determining our highest point of kind of contribution lies and then making execution of those things almost effortless effortless list I can't even speak. Um, so the lessons that kind of kind of come through, um, it's it, it's really really important that you give yourself permission to stop trying to stay yes to everyone, and you can make your biggest highest contribution towards things that really matter to you. you it's so so important to prioritize yourself. Essential essentialism is not a way to do one more thing. It's a different way of doing everything. I think a lot of people get caught up being a people pleaser. I was definitely one of those going left, right and center, trying to do everything for friends, family, and then not looking after my own mental health. The essentialist pursues this principle in a disciplined way. More than a principle, it's a way of living. It's living by a design, not by default. It's living by kind of a system that works for you, not by a system that works for everyone else. It's not how to get, kind of get more things done, but getting the right things done. I read this at the beginning of kind of lockdown and I was trying to be a busy fool. I was being pulled left, right and centre, jumping around the living room, all that kind of stuff. And this really, really helped. It is about making the wisest possible investment of your time and energy in order to operate at our highest point of contribution by doing only what is essential. It requires us to grapple with real trade-offs and make tough decisions. In many cases, we make one-time decisions that make a thousand future decisions so we don't exhaust ourselves asking the same questions again and again. It's about setting those priorities that work for you. Success can distract us from focusing on the essential things that produce success in the first place. There are way too many choices. People have kind of why non-essentialism is everywhere. People have too many choices was one of the things that kind of come through. There's too much social peer pressure and we don't know how to, we're afraid like people aren't going to understand. But if you set the precedence, they'll eventually come to it. We're too afraid of saying no to someone for not being liked. But if that person isn't going to respect your decision, they'll have to get over it. It's you have one life. It has to be your life on running your terms. When we don't purposely and kind of deliberately choose where to focus our energies, time and other people, our bosses, our colleagues, our friends, our families, our colleagues, our clients, they will choose the time for us. And this is one thing that I've changed how I've done my business. I've got a business phone now. So my clients know that it might be a little bit slower to get back to them, but I will 100% get back to them within a few hours rather than me being on demand and it's freed up time for my for me doing stuff like this the podcast for writing for signing other stuff coming up and for concentrating on kind of growing and but there are 100% getting looked after we can either make our choices deliberately or allow other people's agendas to control our lives everyone has their own agenda but it's important to own your agenda kind of the essentialist approach kind of explore and evaluate spend as much time as possible exploring listening debating questioning thinking exploration is not an end in itself but a way to discern the vital view of from the trivial many eliminate actively eliminate activities and efforts that don't make the highest possible contribution do what you want to do 
execute invest the time you saved into creating a system for removing obstacles and making execution as easily as possible kind of these three elements alone are not separate events but a cyclical process apply them consistently example consistently exactly what i just said to reap greater and kind of seek greater benefits replace false assumptions with three core truths i have to and replace that with i choose to it's all important change that to only a few things really matter i can do both change that to i can do anything but not everything so instead of saying i have to go to the gym or i have to go for this run choose say i choose to go for this change it to it's all important to only a few things really matter and that is my family or me my mental health i can do both but to change that to i can do anything but not everything. I can't be. You can't be in two places at one time. It's like when you look at your screen or at work. There's no point in having your phone beside you. You can only concentrate on one thing. If your phone's going off every ten seconds, you're you're looking at it and you're wondering why you're not being productive. It's because your fucking phone is distracting you. And it's so so important. And it's so so important that we do that. You cannot overestimate overestimate the importance of practically everything. And that's an incredible quote by John Maxwell. Once we, once we understand this, we start scanning our environment for those vital few and eagerly eliminate the trivial many. So for some people, for most people, family is most important. And I'm like that. My friends are most important. For other people, it's like their physique. They're, they're wanting to look X, Y, and Z. But for me, I'm trying to concentrate on the three things, the three pillars that matter the most to me. It's also important to say, which problem do I want? You have to, like, to make trade-offs deliberately. Don't think, how can I do both? But rather, which problem do I want to deal with? Also, there's a quote from Mark, from Mark uh, Manson. If it's not a fuck yeah, then it's a no. Trade-offs represent a significant opportunity by forcing us to kind of weigh both options and kind of say to ourselves, which of, us, which of, this, which of these kind of options are going to benefit me the most? And be selfish about it. Don't be afraid to be selfish. People will respect you more for being selfish. The kind of the essentialist explores and evaluates a broad set of options before committing to any. Because they will commit and, and kind of go big on only the vital few ideas or activities they explore. Kind of it you kind of the, the joys of kind of being your own person, you have the space to design, focus on something you want. You have the space to concentrate and kind of build things faster rather than being distracted and being busy full. Space to read, learn have the mentor and invest in yourself see what really matters train yourself to kind of look at the bigger picture keep a journal keep a recollection of what you're trying to do and see how far you've come look at kind of the details for you clarify the question and it's so so important that you do kind of it and that he talks about he has another kind of mark manson thing uh, if it isn't a clear yes then it's a clear no he has a 90% rule. Think about the single most important criteria for a decision and make give it a score between 0 to 90. If it's anything lower than 90, well then, see ya. This helps you avoid getting caught up in decision or worse, getting stuck between the 60s and 70s. If it's below 90, give it up. Ask yourself if someone's trying to bring you to kind of go for something that you don't really want to go for. If it's less than a 90%, see you later. You're not going to do it. There are some of the main books that have kind of gone through Art of Asking, Atomic Habits, Shoe Dog, Ferrari, or uh, the kind of the monkey of Ferrari, Man's Search for Meaning, Essentialism. There are so many other books that have kind of come across. Hug Your Haters is really good if you're kind of coming from a customer service background. Book Yourself Solid is really good for the business side as well. 
um digital minimalism if you kind of want to move away from the social media stuff oversubscribed for kind of business and four hour work week is really good there are other ones like why we sleep which i've kind of raved about before there is also kind of um the power of habit is is very good and kind of leads in with atomic habits there's a lot of stuff by ryan holiday the daily stoic was one i was surprised i didn't recommend there at the beginning but it's daily stoic so guys i hope you've enjoyed this episode if you've enjoyed it at all uh, if you have any questions on any of those books and why i kind of chose them there's so many different lessons and so many different things that can be definitely applied to work business family life everything but they're the ones that kind of hit me at the right time and that's really important about a book there definitely are other books that i've read listened to but i think for where i'm at right now these are the ones that have kind of led me to where i am and where i want to be and it's really important that that's what you look like for what what you look for in a book and a lot of people like 90 percent of people don't get past the first chapter and i've got books i haven't read past probably chapter three and i have a, a pile high of books inside and it's important for you to kind of may not be the time now to read that book but you'd never know when you're potentially a little bit lower maybe you're looking for something profound or you're, you're you're challenging something in your own mind that book may come along so guys if you enjoyed the episode please do tag it up on your social media if you wouldn't mind please leaving a review up on itunes would be awesome hope you've enjoyed it guys and i hope to talk to you soon cannot wait for the next few guests by the way